Greetings in the name of Jesus, the King of heaven and earth and the Savior of his people. I'm Chad Bowen and I have the privilege of pastoring Moore Memorial United Methodist Church right here in downtown Winona. Our church seeks to abide as the children of God, sharing the love of Christ through study, worship, and service. We're committed to helping people along the way as we seek to follow Jesus. And if you want to learn more about our good and gracious God or join together with a community that's trying to follow Jesus faithfully, we'd love to talk to you further about it. With coronavirus cases yet again surging across the nation, across our state, and within our community, we've moved back to doing our best to equip you to worship from home for at least the next couple of weeks. As we celebrate the reign of Christ today, we pray that you would invite him into your life to bind up your wounds, to provide for your deepest needs, and to bring you back into his fold. Jesus is the best kind of king, the kind that would die for the sake of his subjects. May God bless us as we worship him with our hearts, with our souls, with our minds, and with our strength today. Let us pray. Eternal trying God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are amazed that you have invited us into your presence today. You join us in our homes. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would bless us by an awareness of your presence, by an openness to your word, by an eagerness to grow by the grace of your spirit. We pray that you would speak clearly to us, that you would answer uh, the questions, and that you would fill the deep longings of our souls in this season to know you and to know your son, Jesus Christ, and to be made like him. We pray this in his holy and precious name. Amen. This week is Christ the King Sunday, uh, and it brings our series on worship to a close and is a, an opportunity for us to transition into the season of Advent, which we will begin next week in preparation for the Feast of Christmas. And let's just come back around to where we began in our series on worship, where we said that worship is fundamentally about God. The worship is about what God has done and what God is doing and what God will do for God's people. That worship is about the very character of God. And this week we get to celebrate and acknowledge that in a very particular kind of way by considering the reign of Christ to think about how God has always been king, to think about how God is presently king, and to think about how God will reign over the world when he sets all things right. In light of that, let's read from Ezekiel 34 today. The word of the Lord came to me, Mortal, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, to the shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Ah, you shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not the shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the sheep. You have not strengthened the weak, you have not healed the sick, you have not bound up the injured, you have not brought back the strayed, you have not sought the lost. But with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered, because there was no shepherd. And scattered they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep were scattered. They wandered all over the mountains and on every hill. 
My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with no one to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, says the Lord God, because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild animals since there was no shepherd. And because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed the sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, I am against the shepherds. And I will demand my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths so that they may not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, I myself will search for my sheep and I will seek them out. As shepherds seek out their flocks when they are among their scattered sheep, so I will seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places to which they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries. I will bring them into their own land, and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel. By the water courses and in all the inhabited parts of the land, I will feed them with good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel shall be their pasture. There they shall lie down in good grazing land. And they shall feed on rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. But the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with justice. As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God. I shall judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture? But you must tread down with your feet the rest of your pasture. When you drink of clear water, must you foul the rest with your feet? And must my sheep eat what you have trodden with your feet and drink what you have fouled with your feet? Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you pushed with flank and shoulder and butted at all the weak animals with your horns until you scattered them far and wide. I will save my flock, and they shall no longer be ravaged, and I will judge between sheep and sheep. I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken." I will make with them a covenant of peace and banish wild animals from the land so that they may live in the wild and sleep in the woods securely. I will make them and the region around my hill a blessing and I will send down the showers in their season. They shall be showers of blessing. The trees of the field shall yield their fruit and the earth shall yield its increase. They shall be secure on their soil and they shall know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and save them from the hands of those who enslaved them. They shall no more be plunder for the nations, nor shall the animals of the land devour them. They shall live in safety, and no one shall make them afraid. I will provide for them a splendid vegetation, so that they shall no more be consumed with hunger in the land and no longer suffer the insults of the nations. They shall know that I, the Lord their God, am with them, and that they, the house of Israel, are my people. 
says the Lord. You are my sheep, the sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, says the Lord God. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts find acceptance in your sight, Almighty Father. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the United States, kings have a bad reputation. So do congregational shepherds, sometimes pastors in the eyes of many who are unchurched. That's a conversation we'll hold for a different day. But Americans haven't always disliked or disapproved of kings. Before and during the Seven Years' War, Americans were proud to be associated with the British. They fought against the French. They were grateful for the king. It was only in the wake of things after that that they began to be disgruntled with the king himself and began to mount formal, thoughtful ways to create a new way of government that would not leave them beholden to the whims of a family. It turns out that even for Americans for a season, a good king was a good thing. Everyone knows who's in charge. They know who to look to in crisis. The king provides protection to the people, and the people provide protection to the king, and everything can work symbiotically. There was even a time when Israel begged for a king. They'd been through this cycle of having judges rise up by the faithfulness of the Lord to lead them for a season, and then they would again become idolaters. They would follow after the gods of the people around them, trying to be like the nations around them, and then God would raise up another judge to lead them back to faithfulness and to victory for a season, and then they would wander astray again. And so there came a time after the judges, at the end of the judges, where they longed for a king. In fact, at the end of the book of Judges, it says this, In those days, there was no king in Israel, and every person did what was right in their own eyes. So by the eighth chapter of 1 Samuel, as you continue in the narrative of Israel, Samuel is the last judge of Israel. The people are asking for a king. And Samuel didn't like it very much. But God told him that he needed to listen to the people. This is what God says to Samuel in 1 Samuel 8. Listen to the voice of the people and all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you. They have rejected me from being king over them, just as they have done to me from the day I brought them up out of Egypt to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. They have not rejected you, Samuel, They've rejected me. And Samuel offers them a warning as he listens to what they want. He says, a king is going to take your sons and he's going to send them into war. He's going to send them into battle. He's going to take your daughters and he's going to make them live in his court and exist for his pleasure. He's going to tax you. He's going to take your best sheep. He's going to take your best wine. He's going to take your best olives and all of your best grain. And he's going to give it to his officers and his army. And he's going to give it to the ladies of his court. And you'll be frustrated by it. But the Lord won't listen to you in that day. And the people of Israel heard his warning and they wanted nothing of it. They said, no, we are determined to have a king over us. 
so that we may be like the other nations and so that our king may govern us and go out before us to fight our battles. So God tells Samuel to do what they asked and Samuel anoints Saul to be king uh, and Saul is a good king for a while until he begins to go mad and then God asks Samuel to anoint David as king and with David... With David, God promises that an heir of David will always rule over Israel. The people did not choose their king. God chose their king through Samuel and the judge, but they did choose their form of government. It had nothing to do with the Lord. In fact, they were pushing the Lord away from their battles and from their existence as a nation. And it had everything to do with them wanting to be like other nations. God for generations has been setting them apart as a peculiar people and they want to be like everyone else. So Saul leads to David and David gives us this promise that Israelites are waiting to be fulfilled all the way up to the point of Jesus. And in Jesus something magnificent happens. The frustration that God speaks to Samuel, that their desire for a king is replacing their desire for God to rule over them. Jesus comes back and he merges these things together again. Jesus as God in the flesh, as the word of God who's come to dwell among God's people, becomes an heir of David. As a human and as a God, Jesus as God, Jesus has come to rule over the people of Israel, all of God's people, as king. He's come to set everything right. And David is a shepherd. Before he's king, David is a shepherd. And shepherds are constantly used as an analogy for what it should look like to be a leader among the people of Israel. And Ezekiel says that the Lord is the true shepherd. That's what's magnificent about this passage today, is it's pointing us to the model of Jesus as a good and faithful king, as the Lord himself who has come to restore justice among the Lord's people. This passage subjects Every injustice, every wrong, every sin under the judgment of the Lord who is going to sort everything out and make everything right for his sheep. He's going to sort them out among themselves and he's going to sort out from among the shepherds that have exploited them and he is going to make everything right. And I don't know what better news I can give you today. And the fact that Jesus is coming as the true shepherd to set everything right. Because right now, if you voted Republican, if you're convinced that the election is being stolen by fraud and conspiracy, or if you voted Democrat and you're convinced that power is being used to corrupt, manipulate election results, and silence the will of the people, your hope in government is faltering. But the Lord, the King who reigns over all the nations, over heaven and earth, has something else to say and something else to offer. 
the shepherds Ezekiel is addressing may as well be predators themselves. They don't feed the sheep. They feast on the sheep while the sheep themselves are scattered, are injured, are falling prey to other creatures. They're not protecting them. They're not caring for them. They're not nurturing them back to health. They're not seeking them out when they're lost. The shepherds aren't shepherds at all. They're just the predators that live right in the midst of the sheep. They're not feeding. They're not giving attention to the weak. They're not binding up their wounds. They're not seeking out the ones that are straying away and getting lost. They rule over them with harshness, not with care. And the sheep get scattered all across the face of the earth, where they're vulnerable to predators, where they're not together with those that can care and nurture for them. And the shepherds of Israel could not care less. They're just going to milk the sheep for all that they're worth as long as they've got them. And God has something to say about that. God has something to say when leaders look out for their own interests and not the interests of those under their care. And God is going to rescue his sheep from them. God is going to do all of the things that the shepherds haven't done. He's going to seek out the lost. He's going to rescue them from the places that they've been scattered to, from every country, from every place, from every nation, to the four corners of the world. God is going to seek out and bring his sheep back together. And they will have their own land. That land will be God's land. It will be the land of Israel. They will live on the mountains of Israel without predators, no longer as prey. They'll be able to wander off in the woods and fall asleep and still be safe from the wolves. God is going to rescue his people from the shepherds that have neglected and exploited them. So he's been looking at the shepherds and the sheep as kind of separate things. And then, and then Ezekiel zooms in a little bit closer and he looks at the sheep particularly. And even among the sheep in this tightened focus, there is judgment to be done, to be meted out. Among those who have divided and begun to fight with one another, instead of living as the sheep of God's people in God's good pasture. What's going on among the sheep themselves? Some of the sheep are eating their fill, and while they're doing it, their, their, their hooves are grinding away at the good pasture. And then they take those same hooves, and when they go to drink clear water, they stomp around in the water, muddying it for everyone else who comes along. They get the best of it. They get the best grass, they get the best water, and what they leave behind for everyone else is a mess. Some of them get fat and others of them get thinner and thinner. So God says he's going to judge from among the sheep as well. And when we read in Matthew 25 that God is going to judge from the sheep and the goats, he tells us that the sheep who care for one another and those who are in need, who act as a good shepherd to even one another, are doing it for him. God says it, it can't go on forever, that some get fat and some get lean. I'll judge between the sheep 
and the sheep. They can't continue to gore one another, to drive at one another and butt at one another with their heads and their horns, injuring one another. It cannot be this way. So instead, God says, I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David. This is written long after David is dead, by the way, and appeals to the hope for Messiah. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince, shall be ruler, shall be king among them. I will make a covenant of peace. The covenant that we talked about last week when Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples. And then he took the cup and he said, this is my blood of the covenant poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. I will make a covenant of peace. I'll banish the wild animals from the land so that they can live securely. I'll make all of the land a blessing to them. All of the land itself will be restored. They'll be secure and they'll have everything that they need. They'll know that I am the Lord when I deliver them from the ones that have oppressed them and enslaved them. This is what it means for Christ to be king. This is what it means to abide in the reign of God. Not that the right person will always end up in office. Not that, they're, not that the people themselves are capable of governing themselves. But that God is coming to set everything right. And in the meantime, we've got to do some self-evaluation. If we're sheep... We've got to ask if we are among those who are injuring other sheep, who are taking what we think is ours and taking the best for ourselves, unconcerned about what's left behind for others, eating the good grass and drinking the clear water, but not at all concerned about the rest of God's sheep. And we've got to be aware that there are sheep that we don't know about that haven't been brought back into the fold yet. That there are sheep in every country, in every nation, spread out all across the globe, who speak every tongue, who have every color of skin. That some of God's people might not have voted the way that we did. And all of them God cares for. All of them God is invested in. All of them Jesus died for. We can't exploit one another and harm one another, and seek after one another with vengeance and vile words and actions, and expect the true shepherd to be okay with that. And if we are shepherds of God's people, if we have some responsibility for others, as parents, as bosses, as leaders in the community, as leaders in the church, If we have responsibility for others, we have to ask what's driving us. Are we concerned with our own gain, with our own pleasure, with our own satisfaction, with our own power? Or are we concerned about the sheep of the Lord? Are we living to feed them and nurture them and care for them and nurse them back to health and seek them out when they are lost? Are we just enjoying them with no concern for them at all? 
God has always been king. We can desire another king just like Israel did. We can hope that we can raise up some kind of leader to save us. We can put our identity in other political realities. And we should not be unconcerned about what happens in our world or in our country or even who will be elected. But we can trust that God will judge all things and will sort it all out separating the sheep from the rams and casting away the unfaithful shepherds and establish his reign. That God will judge between the right and the wrong of whoever find themselves in power and whoever, even within the flock, is mistreating his sheep. And we can hold and evaluate our political preferences inside of the vision that Christ truly is our king. And if our political commitments don't fit inside of that reality, they need to be reevaluated. Because Christ is the heir of David who reigns. He will set everything right. And if we are not living in light of that reality, if we are not living as sheep of his pasture, if we're listening to people that are making us afraid, we need to cling to this hope that Christ is coming to set all things right. And if we're listening to people who are making us angry, we should make sure that we are angry about the things that God is angry about. And if we're listening to people who make us feel safe, we should make sure that our sense of security is not separate from Christ our King and Shepherd. If we're listening to anyone at all, we should make sure that they are intent on speaking the truth And that we ourselves trust that they have the interest of those under their care more in sight than they do their own gain. Because at the end of the day, it is all about the Lord. And it is all about the Lord's flock, Israel. He is coming to set everything right. The trump will resound, the Lord will descend, and even so, it will be well for our souls As the sheep of Jesus. He's coming to find us and to heal our wounds. He's coming to bind us up and to let us feast on the good things of of his pasture. And to walk into the woods and not be afraid because he has made our land secure. That's deeply good news for those of us who've been wounded. For those who've found ourselves scattered and injured and lost and exploited or starved. And it's sobering news for those of us who've, been, who've done harm to the Lord's sheep, whether as members of his flock or as those who have been responsible for caring for it. This is the justice and the mercy of our God who reigns, that he is coming to sort it all out, that we should fear his judgment above all else, and that we should be excited for his return because everything is going to be right. Let us live in that kingdom even now, where we are his sheep, where he is our God, where we know what it is to be led along the paths of righteousness, to rest beside the still waters, to be nourished in our souls. Let us trust him. Let us subject ourselves to his reign. Let us follow him and be delivered by him. 
Let us be excited to be found by him when we are lost. And let us abide in his reign and long for the day when the rest of the world will recognize it. Let's pray. Christ our King, we subject ourselves to you. You who are the ruler of the heavens and the earth, you who will come to make all things right, you who have protected your people with your own life, offering it up that we might be incorporated into your body. We pray, O Lord, that in this season where we are afraid, in the season where we are angry, in the season where we might be inclined to place our hope somewhere else, that you would remind us of your power, that you would remind us of your grace and your mercy, that you would remind us of your justice and invite us to live into your kingdom that is now and yet coming. This we pray in your powerful name with great expectation for what you will do in our lives. Thanks for listening to today's sermon from Moore Memorial United Methodist Church. I hope that you'll find some time today to reflect on what it means for Christ to be your King. And I pray that you'll find a way to serve others and care for Christ's flock this week. Write them a note. Give them a call. Reach out to them in safe and socially distant ways, but remind people that they are loved. All of our scripture readings and today's message come from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible and are used with permission. And we pray that you go forward this week knowing the depth of God's love for you, His power to save you, and confident in His grace that is sufficient for your every sin. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen.